Hello and welcome back to A Slice of Dice. In this, our second episode, we talk to James Platt, who plays the lovable, shall we say, Mer-Elf rogue in the Manylands campaign, otherwise known as Seth. James and I have quite an interesting parallel in our uh, history of playing TTRPGs, and as it turns out through the conversation, we've got more in common than we originally thought. Uh, so it's a really um, fun trip down memory lane. I hope you enjoy it too. Please note that in this episode, we're talking to James online and there are certain connection issues at times. I've edited these out as best as possible, but you may notice in the quality of the audio from his end that it occasionally isn't as smooth as we would have liked. Nonetheless, you should be able to get the gist of exactly what is being said in the conversation. Enjoy! So hello, James. Uh, it's it's been a little while since we've been able to talk online like this uh, from our campaign and stuff. How's yeah. how's things? All good, thank you. How are you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, all good. Uh, and uh, I've been. It's been a bit of an interesting experience um, getting this set up. Like I've had this in mind for a while, like doing this sort of fireside chat type thing. But actually, um, getting it all together. You're only my second interview. Um, so, uh, so you know, this is still fairly new, finding our feet with it. But as um, as was commented in the, uh, it, it was originally an idea in the Discord server um, for a slice of dice. Um, uh, slight gimmicky thing, as we've uh, discussed about, and I pre-warned you so that you've had some time uh, about yeah. uh, if you could bring any slice with you to to this interview, what would you bring? And I believe you have actually got one with you. Yeah, well. Well, my always first or first slice is actually usually pizza, but I had one last night and I was like, I can't have pizza twice in a row. So <laughs> go to secondary slice, a nice slice of, slice of cake. So I have my cake already, one slice pre-cut and many other slices ready to be cut, depending <laughs> on how long this takes. Excellent. Um, if I get you... through half a cake, we've, we've gone too long. That's a that is a, you know a good sort of passage of time like rather than a sundial because it's night. Um, it's using how many segments of cake get eaten. You know what? Just at the end, don't ask me to show you the whole cake. Like I don't want to prove to people how much I've eaten. Don't don't ask for it. That's at the okay. End. Hey, there'll be no cake shaming. <laughs> don't don't worry about cake Thank shaming. You. Not going to be a thing. Um, but you, I see, you went for the chocolate cake. Uh, was there a particular oh, yeah. particular chocolate. reason for the chocolate cake? Uh, always chocolate cake. Other other cakes don't compare. What is it about chocolate cake in particular, would you say, that uh, is, leads you to that conclusion rather than any other? What makes it superior, would you say? Go, go to dessert. Like, you go to a restaurant, you think you're looking at the dessert menu, and everyone's always like, oh, should I have that chocolate brownie? Oh, or that chocolate cake? Or maybe that vanilla thing. You know, the chocolate is always top priority. So does it apply to ice cream as well then? Um you'd go for the chocolate ice cream over the vanilla ice cream or any other flavour? I would yeah, I would go for chocolate ice cream from from like scoop. So you've got like a scoop of ice cream like you're on a beach or something, mm. chocolate ice cream. But chocolate always improves that. My go to ice creams, Magnums. They've right, because they're covered the in chocolate, yeah. Vanilla on the inside. But the ones that are better I like the triple chocolate ones, and they keep <laughs> they keep bringing them back, and then they keep cancelling them because they can't get it right. They're just tantalising. That's, that's the one you. <laughs> time, yeah, that's the one time that vanilla is a good choice when it's covered in chocolate. 
<laughs> okay, well, that's, a, that's an interesting <laughs> thought. How do you feel about those um, like Belgian waffle cones that have like the chocolate on it? Um, so there's chocolate Belgian waffle cones. Like, would you would you then have chocolate ice cream on top of that, or would it like be back to vanilla? Like, where would you go with that? You've never had one. I've never had one. Sorry, that sounded really like I was aghast, but actually that was more just for your sake. Like, dude, come on. We're going to get right at some point when I'm when I'm back in the UK next. So it'll be in 2023. Right. We'll just we'll go to like a park. Um, there's always an ice cream van around somewhere or one of those. Oh, no. I'll go to a, a, a gelatory or something. Uh, and they have like the proper cones. there. like, we're getting you one of those. It has to happen. Oh, no. So far I have to try other desserts. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Don't force me to go and have a dessert with you. <laughs> This sounds like a horrible plan. I see that you have planned out your attire for today as well, so I, I cannot go further without a little shameless plug to our merch store, uh, which uh, James is repping with our and collection yeah. uh, for the entire party. Here we go. You can get them for yourself. Um, there is a link to that. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, there is a link to that uh, down below. And I, actually, no, there's a link to that on uh, podcast as well, if you're listening on podcast, because, yeah, we've, we've, we've got audio and visual covered here. Uh, speaking of our podcast listeners, I should uh, say that I... You may notice I'm vamping a little bit between questions. It's when I notice that James has just taken a slice of cake that I'm like, I need to fill up the time so he doesn't choke. <laughs> so if you wonder why uh, I'm speaking for a bit longer than perhaps an interviewer should, that may be why. <laughs> Sorry, James, don't, don't wish to... He nearly choked me saying that. Sorry. He waited for me to take a bite to make that joke. <laughs> but yes, let's make him choke on it. It wasn't a joke. He's, it was he's a gonna public make me I'm going to make him suffer. <laughs> Give them cake. Let them eat cake. To kick things off then, um, talk us through, because obviously I've, I've met you through playing Dungeons and Dragons, um, but obviously there was, there was life before me, yep. clearly. Um, so how did you first get into... Um, into TTRPGs, what was your first experience? The person who got me into it was actually my ex-girlfriend. So she got me into it when I lived back in um, outside of London. And she got me into it and then we started watching some Critical Role sort of thing and then Critical Role got me into the start of it. And it wasn't until I moved up to London that I was able to join uh, like an actual D&D group. Like, not as easy to find a group of players because Back then, everyone before the uh, coronavirus, everyone was very like online for D and D and everything. So it was like mm. places to meet up, and outside of London, it was difficult to find them. Probably not so much these days. Everything's online. So people just playing across the world of each other. But then when I moved up to London, started the Sunday game where I met you. So that was my so the game that we played with uh, my paladin character was my first D and D wow so where so sorry um so you, you moved to london and then how did you find out about the was it through the meetup there was a meetup group yeah so it was the meetup uh group and that one of my friends he uh looking into dnd at the time as well because he well we weren't he didn't have as many friends like uh because he's an old uni friend mm. so he didn't have anyone else in london that he knew to go to one of those events with so when there were three of us living in london me, my ex-girlfriend, and him, we were like, let's fucking play some D&D. &D. So we found the group. 
went to the Sunday event, and that's where I met you guys. Ah, what 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 a uh, small world! Because of uh, my journey was pretty similar in how I got started. So, did you play? Had you played at all before moving to London, um, or was it you've just seen the clips? I, I it cut out a little bit, so I wasn't sure. No, so it was just um, yeah, just been watching clips and such. So I watched uh, a lot of critical role and Red Rooster. I didn't have any handbooks just like that. I never owned any of the handbooks when I think I was D and D on that, and hadn't paid for any of it yet. So I had the basics of stuff. So my first character, I was like, there aren't many options for stuff. Generally, didn't even know like how all the subclasses worked and stuff like that. So when there was like two options of subclasses on D&D Beyond for free. Mm. I was like, yep, I'll pick one of them. And it wasn't until, like, um, I think it was one of the players, uh, uh, Judith, when she started her her one. And I was like, I want to play some other stuff. I started to learn bits more. So I bought specific bits. I was like, I'm not going to pay £30 for an online book. So I bought, like, very specific bits. So I bought, like, Paladin the Vengeance specifically so it was like you know one pound so I've got like access to the specific parts that I knew I wanted to play and that's when I started to expand my D&D knowledge wow stuff just outside the basic yeah I had no idea that because it was was Kane wasn't it your your first um first character right the paladin I had good memory yeah yeah. I had no idea that he was your first D&D character. Like, I, because I, when, when I joined the Sunday thing, yeah. I think you'd already been there for a little while. And, and so, you know, I assumed that you're, you'd, mm. you'd been playing for quite a bit longer, right? Yeah. Um, but actually, it turns out we were in exactly the same boat. Like, when I brought, um, I came to the table with Todd the Gnome Ranger. That was my first, like, I mean, yeah. I had, I had played one character before that. Uh, no, I had played twice before that with, but they were one, one time off. You know, it was like the starter set, uh, and then uh, I think it was a, t- a live stream, twenty-four hour thing I did with a group uh, some years ago. Uh, but Todd was like my first sort of character that I made myself, that I put some time into, and that you know I was going to bring to a for a long-term thing. Um, and we were yeah. in the same the same position. That's so weird. I had no idea. Mm. And so, have you? Um, uh, sorry, uh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I remember Todd the Gnome Ranger with his hyena pet. Yes, yes, his ha- uh, Harry the hyena, his his pet, which he yeah. that was from a natural twenty ad- animal handling check against a pack of uh, <laughs> pack of hyenas. Instead, because I got bored of just like attacking, so I went. I want to try and mount it like rodeo style, natural yep. twenty, and it was like right that you you seem to have not dominated the monster, but you you know <laughs> so he he seems to respect you. You're, he's your pet now. I was like, thank you. I'll take that. so we obviously we've got kane that was your first sort of experience now outside of the games that you've played with me have you because if that was your first experience do you expand into sort of other games or any other systems anything like that what 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 came after um the moving to london and the sunday dnd stuff there wasn't too much because most of the games we played were side games of other people from the meetup so like um the guy who runs the meetup, Simon, he started a new one near himself, which uh, we both joined, I think. Yeah. So that was like second campaign of that sort of thing. Uh, I've done sort of just little one-off games with other people. And that's sort of just been like go to their games at the pub, sort of be to 
guest character joining in for a couple games and stuff. But like I said, before lockdown, everything was really in person. So it was easier to get around in London to mm. get to places much more travelable. But committing to a game, it was like, okay, if I after work, it's a 45-minute journey to that pub. Then we play the game, 45-minute journey home. It's like, ah, it's a bit far. It, like I haven't really looked around for a new campaign and such since everything kind of went online. So I assume mm. it's like just a lot easier now to find people. It's like, oh, yeah, can you be online at 7 p.m.? It's like, yes, that is a lot easier. So there wasn't too many games. I'd done, I DM'd for a couple games. Um, we started doing, oh, what's it called? The, I think you've actually still, I think you've got my book. I think I left, lent it to you right before. Uh, Tales of the Yawning Portal. Portal. I've, yes, I've still got it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So I think we did a, a few things from that because I went to like a big D&D shop in London. I can't recall its name top of my head. And I was like, I'm tr- trying to plan the campaign, but like, I don't want it to be like this overarching, super like uh, one level 20 sort of thing. I, was like, mm. I want it to be easy so that we can start off sort of thing. And they recommended Tales of the Only Portal because they were all sort of standalone stuff that you could either mix together to make a overarching thing. You could pick what level you wanted to start. So I was like, yes, nice, easy one to start with. So we started with Tales of the Only Portal. Uh, are you looking to uh, to get back into that, like the DMing side of it, at, uh, at some point? Because I could, I mean, I need to give you the book back <laughs> for one thing. <laughs> no, I, I enjoy DMing, but I've realised because um, that was my very, very first time DMing. I think one thing probably a lot of people realise the very first time DMing is not having your story set in stone. Like I was following, like, I was like, okay, there's a lot of stuff here. They'll go from here to there. And then you introduce like one thing and you're like, you guys have already gone off the path. Like how have you, like you've had one role and you're not doing the right stuff already. So it's one of those things like the very first time DM and you're like, why aren't they doing what they're supposed to do? And then I realized my friends are idiots. You're not following the book. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't didn't have given them as much free reign. And it's like, my friends are idiots. Why aren't they following the obvious? And it's like, would I know this if I if I didn't have the book in front of me? It's like, I'd probably be worse. I mean, this is this is it. Like, you could never predict what the players are going to come out with. Uh, yeah. You could you could try your best to, but they're always going to surprise you. At least in my experience, and I can I think we can vouch for in uh, in our campaign in the many lands that there have been a number of curveball moments which have mostly come from the players. Yeah. <laughs> Leading swiftly on uh, and very neatly on from because uh, we've already kind of started doing that. Can you share with us uh, uh, some of your most sort of memorable moments uh, from your uh, role playing days so far? No uh, moments. I think probably first real big bad, which uh, was in our campaign with Kane and Todd, was when we fought our Rexdacker, which I think I added enough. To that, I we think I Rak- missed the Rakshasa session. I think it, I could be wrong. I can't. You, you may have, but, there, but I know that happened. Real big bad because mm. we just kept going down. And oh, it's one of those things where, like, okay, this person's down, this person's mind controlled, and everything was going wrong. An entire <laughs> city was burning, and we're like, okay, there are actual stakes. We're fucking up. Let's do this. So. 
I remember our first real big bad, and probably any other moments I think of, they're always just moments that were completely outside the box. So one was, um, I can't, I think she was a wizard that we were playing with. Can't recall her name. She was there for the first two months that I started playing in the Sunday game. Mm-hmm. And there was this uh, door puzzle and it was, and the, the answer to the riddle was just a mouse. And that was the, that was the answer. But like, it was, everyone was sort of like, the fuck can we find a mouse for this? And so like possible options were stuff like, you know, finding a mouse in the cave, bringing, bringing one from a shop. And she thought to make a small illusion of a mouse. And he was like, shit, you, you fucking got it. And so we got like super secret treasure. And one of the things was, it was a figurine of wondrous power of a man, of a mammoth. Oh. <laughs> and so it was just like once, it was like, you know, once every, a week or so, you can summon a mammoth, which is like CR6. And we were like level five, level six. So we were like, yeah, fuck yes. Like he wasn't expecting us to get the actual answer right. Mm-hmm. But she had this pet ma- ma- mastodon that she was using. And we were like, cool. Yeah, we're now overpowered. Unfortunately, he raised the bar of enemies a bit. But we had a, a pet mastodon. And luckily in that game, our long rests were a week. So every second we went back, we got it to use it again. We didn't have to wait like seven sessions to use it. We literally, she literally used it every single session. It's like, what do you want to do first in combat? I want to summon a fucking mastodon. <laughs> uh, when she moves away, we all she like bequeathed her items to people, and she bequeathed the item to someone who was really fit at remembering to use it. <laughs> and so <laughs> it was at the start of every combat, and I was just getting looked like use the figurine, use the figurine. And they just kept forgetting. They were like, figurine, got it, fireball. And I was like, why did you give it to another wizard? <laughs> oh, was so, it um, was it Caden? Caden the wizard who, who ended yeah. up with it. Yeah. Caden, who was quite God, forgetful. Your, your name memory is just on point. I almost, I, I end up associating the faces with the, it's, that's one of the things is that, yes, you know, going to these meetups is great for meeting new people, but then you get completely paralyzed with um, names because you're suddenly, you're suddenly trying to remember their actual name as well as their character name. And you use the character name a lot more than you're going to use the actual player's name. So I remember the faces of the guys oh, around the table, but I just, the, the real names often escape me. Was obviously there was you uh, with Kane the the paladin who basically would never take his armor off and he was not totally not evil he totally didn't have a get an evil hand at one point because of an evil wand but let's not get into that uh- <laughs> well, that that was solely because the DM looked so disappointed that no one was taking the obviously evil wand and I'm like that's a plot hook he's worked hard on this like I'll take the evil one I mean right, the regular then. wand. <laughs> He looked so heartbroken that no one was taking it. So, you see, that's your first mistake, feeling sorry for the DM. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> well, no, I think you should at, at times, but, like, maybe in this case it was just an illusion. Yeah, I think we were probably playing that for, oh, two years or so. And then from that one game, we sort of started, like, three side games because one person started their own one, which was, like, um, every two months. And then there was another game, which was like every two weeks sort of thing. And I say at some point, it's like I'm playing D&D, like five different campaigns. It takes up so much travel time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, Well, just time. Yeah. 
I, I think you touch on something very important here as well, which I have been guilty of in the past. And I, you know, it's I think that I have like a bit of an addictive personality, and if I enjoy something, I'll I'll just want to do more and more and more and more and more, and then so and I, it got oh, to no. a point I think where I was attached to eight different campaigns something like that and you just have to kind of take a hard look at yourself and go now bearing in mind not all of these were every week but still it was there was still you know it's four evenings a week that's a lot of your time uh or some of them would be like weekends like you know throughout the day on a saturday for instance um well because obviously yeah, stuff yeah. Sunday, I, right? I totally have other stuff to do in the evening totally yeah totally have other stuff but to even do. if you don't I'm have other stuff to do in the evening like just you, have you, it, sometimes you just need to allow some time to yourself like i, I i've got to the point I, I kind of had a bit of a crisis at one point and i recognized that you know what i just need one evening off a week where i just don't do anything like and i can just be with myself and just chill and you know watch some tv or something i think the one problem with having multiple campaigns is if you've got multiple long-term campaigns because mm. i think if you if you're playing like three or four long-term ones you're very stuck in which character you want. Because one thing I like doing is just making new characters. And it's like so much like, okay, I want to try this, want to try that. Like, I love playing Seth and I love my, my Rogue Warlock. But like, if I'd like to have some little side games where it's like six, six, to, six to eight, like, mm. not um, second sort of thing. So you can play a character, use all its abilities start at like a reasonable level so you're not doing that wade from level one to three for every campaign sort of thing you know play a character get out your system that i've used everything for it and then try something new we're going to put a pin in that because that is going to be a question that we can come back to about character <laughs> concepts and i think you're a great person to talk to about that last thing on memorable moments as seth in the many lands campaign what's your, what is uh well what are your most memorable moments in the campaign so far Ooh. Uh, for the most memorable one is our main moment from when we we're all in person was neris's death because i i just remember you i remember the complete silence of everyone at the table and all staring at you while you were describing what was happening after the um rituals like bring her back and you looked so uncomfortable that everyone was completely silent and completely engrossed in you because usually when you're at a table unlike online you can have little talks across the table so like uh dk and bart would sit across from me so as like something was happening we'd we'd you know quietly chat like are you are you gonna attack this are you doing this don't forget to heal me like online but we've got a uh, discord chat to do that sort of side chatting bit so that it's not just us whispering in the background of someone talking online. Mm. But for that one moment, all of us were completely silent and completely engrossed. Like, we're like, what's happening? Shit, we've got to save her. Like, it was our first dramatic moment of everyone is entirely 100% focused and you were like, they're all focused. Shit, don't mess up. Yeah, it's a fair point because you do think as an actor, I'm used to having the spotlight on me. But in the context <laughs> of the campaign, you're right. Like there was, it was always a bit light-hearted, fun and games, and there'd be these side chats and and whatever. And then suddenly it was like, zoom, like pulled focus to this one moment because of the um uh, the flesh brollies as they were known, but the dark mantles. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> 
and just suddenly oh my god this game has consequences this character is dead and it's like and it's especially because it was Marta's first character as well like she'd never played uh, D&D before um and you know there was probably a little bit of the uh, almost like a group sort of care sort of side of things like a, 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 a not like a paternal instinct perhaps maternal instinct that you're saying like oh no yeah. uh, but it was suddenly yeah like like complete focus and complete quiet and you could hear a pin drop like, in that moment I, yeah i was way back in episode 14 and uh, but i think that this is um <clears throat> was that 14 one four Holy yeah. hell. magic hammers and of magic hammers and dark rituals i believe was the name of the uh, session it's still on wow YouTube. i thought that was much later wow it was early when that happened um because low levels are riskier for, for life you know there's a bit more of a swing yeah. but equally um but equally i think it speaks to because you were saying like obviously the convenience of playing online and it is very convenient 100 percent. but i feel like we never would have got that drama when you're in the room with people together you sense uh the the tension yeah. and the rest of it you can feel something in the air and you're you're picking up on the reactions of everybody like it's a lot more um palpable when you're all together i think than online yeah you kind of like, lose that we, we've we've had like very dramatic moments since we've been online and such but the drama of it isn't as isn't as um obvious of people because like someone will be talking you'll be doing descriptions of stuff and our discord chat like everyone talking all capitals all <laughs> angry gifts of like it's like what the fuck are you doing like, i do peek at those occasionally this. during the game and i'm like oh should have looked at that yeah. <laughs> that's gonna put me off <laughs> it's like it's like us talking it's like the hell's happening someone do, like it's super dramatic and then on screen we're sort of like okay yep yep we're gonna do this so just that lesson like if it was in person you'd, you'd see me and like me and dk would probably be lo- looking at each other from across the table like what are you doing heal me <laughs> it's just <laughs> yeah but it's, it's hard to do. It's hard, like I can't point to the top right corner of my phone and be like, "You, yes, you do it." <laughs> it's very true. Very true. Favorite character concept that you have yet to try out at a table. Go ahead. One I really want to try out because um, I I really like world building. It's so fun, mm. and I'm. And inside my head, like I wish I was good at like drawing or writing because I'd like to like make a story or something. So, because I make puns in my head, and so one of them is a concept for um, you, you steal it from different places. So, it's half from um, Star Wars and half a series I used to watch called Legend of the Seeker. So, that one was based off a book called Sword of Truth, and they had something called Maud Sith, which were like inquis like um bodyguards and stuff like that to stop people with magic so one of the concepts i really wanted to make was a blood hunter profane soul that's the one that has a little bit of warlock thrown into the blood hunter and so i really wanted to make it as like a magic policeman sort of thing so because with the um blood hunter you've got the, the blood magic which and the warlock spell slots and they all reset on short rest but like one of the things, uh, their level nine ability is um, oh, it's really perfect for campaigns where the DM's like, can you just figure this shit out? Because it's sort of like, oh, you touch an area or you touch a person and you can sense an idea of what happened 
like you get as a psychometry. So it's like ah, one of those words that you read, but you realize you never pronounce. <laughs> like prestidigitation. Like <laughs> yes. Like, so you touch something and you get an idea of the bad things that have happened around it. So, you know, you go to a location and your DM's like, oh, please figure out what this thing is. And it's like, uh, I'm going to try and sense the evil stuff in the room. And it's like, yeah, perfect. I can give you backstory for the room. So I've always pitched it as like a good police officer. And so you've got the blood magic, which you can do stuff like the person can't see. You can hold the person in place. And then you've got the warlock spells, which by like level nine or 10 includes that counter spell. So I always pitch them as like a really good anti-magic person. So it's like, up for a counter spell, and now I can use my blood magic, same turn, hold in place. And it's like, yep, you're under arrest. So I'm going to try a blood hunter magic police because the profane soul i think it's the weakest blood hunter in terms of that like the lichen one is the strongest by far i think profane soul was like middle weakest but it's one of those things like when you're not playing something purely mechanical of like i want to be the best mm. you're playing something because it's like i want to play the concept i really want to play blood hunter as like a bodyguard slash detective type thing and that's the thing i think that gets lost in a lot of the um if you, if you like end up on a reddit you know on a forum like that because it's always about the min max and yeah. the power gaming and how much damage output is there and and it's like guys but, but what yeah. about the thematic stuff like that isn't that like there's a real joy in that that you can have that like you say this this concept of a, a police officer um and you know being able to sort of detain uh and what have you and you know it gets lost in in mm. the ether online but uh, in, in forums should i say but um i've never actually played a, a blood hunter myself so i'm not really too familiar with that how the um <clears throat> uh the mechanics of it actually work so so the blood hunter without the profane soul parts is doesn't isn't a spell caster per se the blood oh. magic are stuff that you can do on a hot like um short rest so you've got like a curse slot so i think you've just got like one slot to a level six then you get two slots and you've only got a couple curses, so they're very like limited. So they're sort of just still extra things you do on top, sort of thing. So there's stuff like you, because um, it got reworked, so it doesn't use your HP as much. So like the main two that I always remember is one that you cause them to be sightless until their next turn, so they lose their vision, or you can hold them in place with a strength. They need a strength save for it until the next turn, but you can use your HP to make them more effective. So it's like, if it's niche and you want to hold them for longer, then you can use your HP to amplify it. But uh, their main thing is like lighting their weapon on fire. So, or yeah. covering in ice. So you do extra damage. So it's a bit of HP. So they're very, very glass cannon at the start that, you know, they hurt themselves and you're already one hit away from death. So yeah. it's more of a class I'd like to try from like, level five on they've got elements of because it's made by uh, matt mercer so it's not like an official class or anything so technically a homebrew and such but um there's a lot of elements of ranger and paladin because i think the first little feature is hunting uh having advantage on like text to uh, on like fey fiend and undead mm. so it's like in our campaign we have no one that's good at tracking so I, that's why I probably look, started looking at Blood Hunter more. Cause it's like, we're just at tracking stuff. We've never successfully followed anyone. And we probably keep missing plot hooks. Jack's getting pissed off about. So I'm like, 
Blood Hunter would be great for this investigation. I definitely imagine it being fun to play. Like, I really want to play a Lycan one just to be pretty unstoppable eventually. But I kind of want to play a Profane Soul just to have that extra spell casting for some extra utility. So before we go, I've got um, another thing that came off the Discord server, which is because we love our Discord uh, chatterers. Uh, and they are actually called chatterers, uh, the job role for being in uh, this, a slice and dice um, chat server, uh, was they came up with the random dice, uh, the random question chart. And for this, I, uh, I've asked you, asked you, James, to bring a D12. If you could roll that D12, please, and I will yep. read a random question from the chart. Seven. Would you believe that seven is exactly what Rich rolled uh, in the last interview? So, uh, but that's fine, because uh, you, you haven't been asked this question. So... Um, which class do you think best represents you as a person? Ooh, uh, I would have to go Sorcerer. I'd like magic. I don't want to have to learn it. I'd like it just to be super fucking easy, just instantly be there. So I could just sit back, cast some shit, be nice and subtle about it so people don't know that your your casting suggestion to go get to go get your pizza or cakes. Someone says to you, "Hey, do you want to try this vanilla ice cream?" You're like, "No, no, no, no. Look, you want to try chocolate." Cast suggestion. <laughs> yeah. So so sorry. This is um, which best represents you as a person. You're saying sorcerer. Would you go with a human sorcerer? Or would you be a, a different species? Oh, other species. Human. Bland and boring. <laughs> something. something Something with more lifespan so that you can be lazier for longer. So you can be lazier for I wanna longer. I want to put something off. I want to put. I want to procrastinate stuff. I want a longer lifespan so it's got less less negative effects of procrastinating. Just so the, uh, this won't be an issue in fifty years. Just don't want the aging effect to to take place as quickly as well. Like there's, there's yeah. less pressure on your. Okay, got you. So a long lived. So yeah. is there is there one in particular? Do you think you'd lean towards that best represents you? Uh, uh, go elf, nice and nice and long, nice and long lived. Nice. Uh, we're talking a wood elf, half elf, dark elf, or any other kind of elf. High high elf or drow, unless we're actually playing the real, like what drow's actual like. Or getting maligned uh, by society, in, in sort which, of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Then fuck that. <laughs> if it's not if it's not in the D and B world, then I'd choose drow. You know, lots of extra magic shit. Sunlight sensitivity, so I let it just have to go out in the middle of the day and socialize. I can do everything at night. It's like, oh, yeah, let's go for drinks. <laughs> you know, works out much nicer. This isn't the sign for you to make Seth more drow like now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> he also uh, does some charisma based yeah, as a warlock, so. Yeah, let's see what happens with uh, with Seth when we pick up the campaign next year. Um, yeah. with the, that whole drow stuff, because there is a bit of a. Yeah, that, that is a bit of a, a, a sort of Damocles hanging over that. We're not really sure how that's going to end up. So, uh, secrets. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm going <laughs> to leave it there. Thank you so much for coming on, James. Uh, it's been great to catch up and actually to no to sh- have you share sort of share your journey uh, through um, tabletop role playing games uh, to reminisce about some great times that we've had so far, and it gets me uh, gets me all excited for when we pick things up again as well. So uh, yeah, look forward to doing some more uh, some more gaming next year. 
Um, until then, yeah. take care. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of A Slice and Dice. If you've enjoyed what you've seen, please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. We really do appreciate your support. And of course, if you'd like to get involved in any future interviews, whether that's being a guest yourself or suggesting uh, some options for our random question chart, join us on our Discord server. There should be a link to that down below.